I'm Larry Walsh, and this is Pod 2112, the official podcast of the 2112 Group, where we talk with industry executives, thought leaders, and influencers about the trends shaping the industry and the world around us. The Internet of Things is booming. Over the next decade, as many as 75 billion IP-enabled devices will connect to the Internet, enabling everything from automated home heating systems to autonomous cars and factories. Through the Internet of Things and corresponding technologies such as big data, 5G networks, and SD-WAN will reshape the way we live, work, and play. People talk about the big opportunities in IoT in the channel, but often in the abstract. They talk about IoT as some destination that's just over the next hill. Partners often lack direction on which IoT to segment to adjust first, where to get the skills and resources they need, and who to lean on for support. In short, the IoT channel landscape is more than a bit hazy, even though many expect it to clear up over the next few years. Master Agent Chorus Communications isn't waiting for the IoT skies to clear. It recently launched a new initiative to enable its resellers and managed service providers and telecom agents with new skills, resources, and insights into the IoT market opportunities. It invested in developing new connection options to carry IoT traffic, and it launched into the market with an IoT healthcare offering that monitors and manages prescription drug consumption. Chorus Communications sees a bright future in IoT and is looking to get itself and its partners ahead of the curve. Joining us today is Rob Molinaro, the Vice President of Chorus Communications, who will explain how his master agency is diving headlong into the IoT market, how it's enabling its partners, and what it expects to get in return on its IoT investment. And with that, Rob, welcome to Pod 2112. Larry, thanks for having me. Rob, let's let's start before we get into the the meat of the conversation. Let's talk about Chorus for a minute. You know, Chorus is a a master agent. Uh, typically, when we think about master agents, it's in a telecom com- context. But Chorus has been doing is doing more than just telecom and UCAS. It's also doing a lot of cloud work in addition to the new IoT stuff you're working on. Can you just take a minute just to tell us a little bit about Chorus and what you do and about your various technology practices? We've been in the space for thirty years. Uh, June 1st of 1989, to be exact, when we came into the business, starting with mobility. And Chorus began in 1995 to address a need in the market for clients that had so many different avenues of attaining technology. They wanted, so to speak, one throat to choke and one avenue of responsibility. So we recognized that need. And then we came in with our multi-level approach to technology for clients to cover them bumper to bumper. Uh, A lot of that did begin, Larry, with the traditional telecom services and products. But as the industry changed and needs changed and the climate changed, we changed along with it. And one of the things that uh, I think helped with that was that Chorus never embraced one technology 100% as its end all. So we wanted to be a lot of things to many clients, and that's where the master agency model kicked in about 15 years ago or so. So what was the the trigger for getting you into the Internet of Things? As as I talked about in the introduction, this this is a burgeoning market. I mean, you were seeing a tremendous growth like we haven't seen in any other in many other sectors and it's spanning more than just technology this is going across you know non-traditional 
technology industries. I mean, you see companies like John Deere and 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 you know Samsung with its consumer appliances and you know, cars like Tesla becoming a part of this IoT universe. What was the trigger for for Chorus to get into this? When we began in the industry again with mobility, which by the way has come full circle. You know, we were on the selling side of that, selling products like Motorola, Panasonic, Oki Data, and, you know, we sold a lot of product. But we never got into the, I guess you could say, the core production of those products. Like, in other words, if I hadn't invested back in the day in companies like Motorola and the others that were really making a, you know, impact in the technology space, it would have been different. So to answer your question more specifically, my business partner, Dan Cronin and I, who I've known since I was 14 years old, we said this time, we're not gonna just sell the product, we're gonna invest in it. So we actually invested in frequency, 900 megahertz in the internet of things. And coincidentally, the company is IOTA and that's really what the, um, the aha moment was. We wanted to be deeper in it, and we wanted to eat our own dog food, Larry, so to speak. So that's what kicked it off. But was there a particular place, though, that you said that there's, a, there, there's an opportunity that's, that's drawing you into it, or are you looking at this from a visionary perspective saying that there's, a, there's things that are going to happen that, that – you and your partners don't recognize yet that you have to prepare for? 100% visionary. There was nothing in particular that was a stimulus, you know, to say, well, wow, look at what happened here. It's 100% saying what's going on. And actually, well, maybe just a small detour answer here, Larry, to that would be the full circle coming back to mobility or the device that we all carry in our hands are personal cell phone devices. It really all stems from that. That's where the internet of everything is actually what they're beginning to call it today instead of uh, you know, the traditional sense of it. But really, that's really what it was. It was a visionary, like, let's get ahead of this technology because we know it's going to make an impact you know, while some people out there might be naysayers and say, ah, that's never going to, you know, get any traction, much like they said 30 years ago about cell phones being in everyone's hands. People didn't believe it, but look where we are today. So you made this investment into, into frequency through, through IOTA, but where are you actually attacking the solution? As you recently announced at your, at your own partner event, uh, you've created resources to enable your partners to understand the opportunity and and give them tools or give them the, the resources that they need to be able to go out and address the market. Where are you focusing at first? The immediate opportunity that we see at hand, and maybe it was coincidence or, or whatever, but is in the healthcare space. So specifically in the event, the fall forum that we had just last week, the case study showcased the Internet of Everything or the Internet of Things, right, as it related to health care and the life sciences. In particular, it was a prescription dispensary device. So with that, 
you know, giving people the ability and family members to track the prescription, I guess, usage, you could say, of loved ones has, it has massive impact, Larry, massive impact, not only to the users, the consumers or the patients and their families, but also to the institutions that regulate, like, you know, the hospitals and healthcare facilities that regulate the, you know, the use of those prescriptions with the client. So that sounds like, I mean, we always talk about healthcare being one of those, those early stage opportunities for when you're, you know, if you think about this in the classic cross in the chasm type of go to market uh, entry, healthcare financial services typically are one of the early points because they're typically early adopters in new technologies. What is it that what is it that you're enabling the partners to do with this? Is that you, you've identified the solution here. What is the role that they're playing in this? Are they reselling the devices? Are they reselling the connectivity? Uh, or the bandwidth to get to these devices or, you know, and is there any special considerations that you had to take, you know, that had to address in order to, to enter this? It's a great question. So let's talk about connectivity. So these providers, Larry, would really have nothing to do with connectivity. So the connectivity is coming from the 900 megahertz level. I mean, that's the end game, right? And I'll come back to that in a second. But what they're doing right now is they're cross-pollinating, Larry, with the likes of the traditional cellular carriers. So the 5G, you know, LTE level connectivity. So that way they can have seamless coverage nationwide. Now, the ultimate goal for these IoT providers is to really bypass the cellular providers, right? Because if you think about it, for a lot of the IoT type of deliverables, these are not voice quality or I guess you could say they're not really concerned about latency that you normally would be with a phone call, for example. So if you have an internet connection that's poor on a phone call, you're gonna sense that, you're gonna hear it. With IoT and those other frequencies, they're really like, um, they're not bothered and they don't have any really interruption when there's a hiccup in the deliverable of the connection. No different than your email, Larry. If you think about it, you know, if your email arrives on your desktop 10 seconds later because there was a glitch in the connection, you probably don't really even know that. So it's kind of the same analogy there. So the carriers or the providers really don't have anything to do with the connection or the broadband or the, you know, any of that connectivity. It's simply, what is this device? What is this feature? What is this service going to do for us? First and foremost, for the consumer, for the patient, and secondly, for their bottom line, Larry. That's what's driving it. It seems to me that it's a fiscal decision today more than it is anything else. No, it makes sense. I mean, because, you know, you really, I mean, when I think about a lot of these devices and applications that we're bringing in, it's about how can we consume things on demand? How can we throttle our own utilization? How can we, how, do we, how can we maximize our investment versus our expense? Does that require you to change the conversation between your customers and your partners? Does that mean that you're not necessarily talking about technology as much as you're talking about a a new way of doing things and a new economic model? 
when it comes to interacting with clients, you know, and having 30 years in technology, there's a lot of very, there's a lot of standard questions you would ask, you know, to try to find out what the client's end game is, where are they trying to go, et cetera, et cetera. So the internet of things or the internet of everything, it gives a fresh start, a fresh look at what the client's doing. And it forces them to think a little differently about what they've been doing traditionally. I mean, if you're on the receiving end of that, Larry, no matter what you're buying or looking to buy or what have you, and someone goes through the trouble of asking you a little bit more about your business with a thought of bringing in a new way of doing things to the table, that's always refreshing and it kind of makes you stand out a little bit. And that's been our philosophy at Chorus as a master agency, not owning any one or few particular products, but really embracing all new technologies as they come to market or in, when they're in their introduction phase to give a fresh, clean look at how to do things differently. So what did it take to, to embrace all of this from, from your level? Because before you could actually go out and, and enable your partners to talk with customers about this, you needed to develop your own language, your own value proposition, your own way of approaching the market. What was that process like of, of embracing this new technology and this new way, um, embracing the, the IoT wave? If you're not ahead of the curve or thinking future, you'll very quickly die in your tracks. Uh, a lot of traditional telco providers, like you know the Avias of the world, Larry, the Toshibas, you probably are familiar with the story and how premise-based systems are a thing of the past. They're in history today, for the most part. So it was really out of necessity to be ahead of the curve and understanding where the puck's going versus where it is. So in terms of development though, is that, does that mean that you're, does that mean taking a more measured approach? You, you obviously you addressed healthcare first because it's not just a, a clear point of entry, but it also allows you to focus your resources and focus your investment. How does that play out in terms of your strategic plan to take advantage of the vision? When you think about these verticals, Larry, for example, healthcare, legal, uh, retail, uh, multi-site, real estate management facilities, things like that, obviously, when you want to try and get the biggest bang for the buck, right, and factor in economies of scale, a lot of companies will start, you know, and go after those verticals because they typically have thousands and thousands thousands of users and endpoints. So you can kind of, in a sense, kill 10,000 birds with one stone by going in that direction. How are partners receiving this? I mean, a lot of these guys are, are very staid in their ways. You may have a vision, but they're often reactive and sometimes even resistant to change. So the, their reaction is, let, let me see it right before I believe it. Larry, right. but our education to these partners, everything stems around value proposition to their end user, number one. You know, what's it, how is it gonna make their life easier? But also, growing wallet share. 
I mean, Larry, if you think about it, these partners that are, they take the shape of managed service providers, VARs, traditional telco consultants, 30-year-old dealerships for traditional phone equipment. I mean, they come in all different shapes, sizes, and flavors, so to speak. But, you know, it makes it makes them a little different because right now they're in a sea of uh, probably intense competition in their space, in their particular product. This just gives them a little bit more of an interesting topic to wrap their hands around with the client so that way they separate themselves. But I'll say this, nothing's easy to change someone's mindset. However, as we did in the fall forum, we paint a picture of a case study, Larry. And the way we do it is so that way the people in that audience, when they're finished viewing that, we're trying to encourage that light bulb moment. And we had literally at least a half a dozen light bulb moments as a result of that event last week. One in particular with one of the largest healthcare providers in the country insisting on a meeting this coming Monday with their top brass. That's how impactful it is. So when they start doing the math and saying, wow, I could see the waterfall effect of that, they can start doing the numbers in their head and uh, that's the part that becomes very appealing. So what is it that you look for or how are you measuring the success of, of these efforts? How are you measuring the, the, how productive your build out and the IoT practices are, particularly within your own business as well as within your, within your expanded partner network? I would say initially, Larry, we measure it by the number of opportunities or at-bats that we get. We know the results will come, but right now, all we're looking for is to open that door a crack, get the foot in the door, encourage interest with a customer, and that's what we're shooting for. And the way we're going to achieve that is by constant and repetitive education on the subject matter. We can't just hit this and go, Larry. We have to stay with it. We have to keep it in front of them. And the way we're looking at this, in fact, the way it is, is we are absolutely and essentially the innovators in this space because there's a lot of people that are afraid to go there because A, they don't understand it, and B, it might detract from other things they're doing. We do not think that way. So this is about laying a foundation more so than trying to, to hit even a, a double or a triple, if you will, you know, if we have to inject some, some baseball analogies. But, you know, actually, instead of trying to, you know, to build that next great business around this one initiative, it sounds like you're building a foundation for what you expect to come next. It's a foundation, and it's, it's doing things differently, Larry, as I discussed before. We don't want to just be on the surface level veneer of this for this next wave. We want to be in it deep with roots in the soil. And, uh, you know, again, talking about eating your own dog food, right? Not only are we selling it, understanding it, but we're out of the gate invested in it. Our roots are in the soil with it. And it's a risk. So we know, we know that it's going to, that soil is going to produce 
the crops we need. So it is foundational at that level, correct. How long will it take for, for those seeds to take root and actually produce this crop you're talking about? When do you see this going from foundational to being that, that core practice of yours? I am here to tell you that we already are getting results with this product set. We already have sales on the horizon that quite frankly, Larry, there's no reason why the client wouldn't do it. You know, applications like the Internet of Things or SIM cards controlling door locks, the Internet of Things controlling door access on multi-location facilities, the Internet of Things tracking materials. You know, no different, Larry, than when you go to a clothing store and before you leave, they have to take the little plastic button off to that garment so that way they know it's not walking out of the location. Those things are a thing of the past as we speak because the Internet of Things will track those things for you without all that unnecessary uh, you know, equipment and, and whatnot and process. So it's here now. But to answer more specifically, I would say that probably within the next three to five years, as Dan and I have forecasted, our business will completely change in terms of the product sets that we represent and we look forward to it. Well, we look forward to catching up and seeing how things progress for you. So Rob, thanks for joining us today. You're very welcome, Larry. Thanks for having me. And there you have it. You've got another reminder of why the Internet of Things will be everywhere by listening to us talk about IoT enablement and market opportunities here on Pod 2112. I want to thank our guest, Rob Molinari of Chorus Communications. I want to thank all of you for joining us on Pod 2112, a production of the 2112 Group, a business research and strategy firm. Join us again when we talk with industry executives and thought leaders and influencers about the market and the world around us. And don't miss a single episode of Pod 2112. Subscribe today on Apple iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about 2112 and its services, email us at info at the2112group.com. And please don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Thanks again. I'm Larry Walsh.